Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. James chapter 3, verse 1, we're looking at this morning. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Wow, I wish I could be perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters... This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James here, looking in James 3, I'd I'd encourage you actually, if you haven't read your Bible for a while, read the book of James. It's a fantastic book. Real great book. It's not very long to read, but please, I encourage you after this, go and read the book of James. But today we're going to be focusing on James chapter 3. And this is focusing on, he's talking to believers. He's basically saying to them, he kicks off by saying, you know, don't, not everyone needs to be teachers. In other words, he's saying that if you're going to speak for God, you're going to use your tongue for God, that you need to be very careful of doing this because you use your tongue and it's, it can become so corrupt. And one thing I want to focus on today, and I really believe God is going to speak to some people today, and I believe that God has put this on my heart, um, to, to share this with you. But many of us worry a lot about sin in our lives and different parts of our body and the functions. Sexual immorality is a, a big thing. In the Bible, we see all these things. But a lot of the time, we look at these things, we get focused on sins, and we should do, to, to get right with God, but we miss a, a part of our body that we kind of just put aside, and that's our tongue. 
we forget about this small little thing on our body that actually is described here as probably one of the worst things. It describes it as actually being set on fire by hell itself. I think it's quite useful to look into this a little bit further because I think that our tongue has so much power to do damage or do good. And you can be focused on all the other things in your life. Look, I'm trying to get this right. I'm, I'm committing these sins. I'm, I'm trying to get my body in check. The Bible says that by the Spirit we should put them to death, the misdeeds of the body. And so we look at all these things, but a lot of the time we do not look at the tongue. We kind of forget about what our mouth's saying to people. And listen, if we are going to be in a church where we want to see God move, we're going to have to get this sorted out. Amen. And in our lives and in our workplaces as well. We can focus on other things, but let's not forget this thing. He says as well, James, that the, the, the tongue cannot be tamed by humans, which is quite amazing. Like, that doesn't give us any hope for this sermon, does it? That we actually cannot tame the tongue. You know, you think to yourself, well, you know, what, what do I need to do to do this then? But he says, actually, no human can tame the tongue. And he gives some illustrations. He talks about animals and says, you know, human beings have been taming animals for for years but no one no human can tame the tongue so where does that leave us what hope does it give us he says this that it's a restless evil and full of deadly poison last week uh, well it was just last sunday we set off we went to uh, chester zoo has anyone been to who likes a zoo i liked it. it was good we went to the zoo and we paid full price to get in and it was a great day, although it's that cold at the moment, all the animals stay inside. So the zoo's really not, do, what I'd encourage you, do not go to the zoo in the winter. You know, you, it's great, you can see all the facilities, you can see everything, but you can't see the animals, which is really why I paid the money to go. But we saw a few animals, and I was looking in some places, and I'm just waiting for them to come out, and it's so cold, I'm thinking, well, I, 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 I wish I'd have stayed in myself. But... We went there and it's amazing to watch. We wandered around and one of the, you, you get around and you see a few little animals and, you know, and then you get around and you say, I, I want to see the real stuff. And we walked around and they've got this brand new in Chester Zoo, brand new t- uh, tiger enclosure. And so I'm looking into this and I'm just uh, intently looking through. They've got thick glass protecting you and just looking at these massive tigers and thankfully they were out. But it was amazing because the huge enclosure that was put there, you could see that even the tigers couldn't be tamed. And I thought to myself, no one would dare. I, I get these, you know, I talk about my urges a lot. I had an urge just to, just to jump over the wall, just to see what would happen. You know, do you get that? You kind of, you see, you don't get it. It's just me, I'm crazy. You see, you know you do really. And, and I was there and I'm looking thinking, I wonder if this, if this glass was to break. And I realized that these animals are great. We look at them, but no one's actually fully tamed them. In fact, you can't really tame an animal that much, can you? And, it's, and the tongue is like this. It's, to some, it looks like we observe it, and it, it's not been tamed in our lives. And we say nasty things to each other. Richard Lattice, who's the director of the New York City Zoo, said this, No matter how tame a tiger might seem, it isn't tame. Well, he knows, doesn't he? No matter how tame a tiger looks, it isn't tame. And some of us, sometimes we think our tongues look tame and we've got it all under control. But actually, the truth is, it's not. In one moment, it could leash on someone. You know what it feels like when someone you, know, love, you think loves you and they say something and it hurts really bad. 
You trusted them. You've jumped in. You've, you've had an urge. You've jumped in over the wall in the cage. You're thinking, these guys are okay. And the next minute, they leash on you. And you feel like it can do so much damage. That's the power of the tongue. Humans may not be able to tame the tongue, but I'll tell you who can. There is hope. Because the Bible doesn't say that your tongue cannot be completely tamed. I believe the Holy Spirit, when he's in your life, can help you to tame your tongue. So there is hope. You see, James says no human can tame the tongue. He didn't say God can't help you. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to help us with our mouths and what we say. You see, if you look earlier, we read that he says that the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Let me tell you today, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if you're in a church or you get into a place where the Holy Spirit is, when you've got the fire of God upon you, your tongue will speak differently. Amen? And I believe that the source of the fire shouldn't be the fire of hell, but it should be the fire of God. Amen? I want to encourage you that this morning. In Matthew 12, 33 to 37, we're going to read this now. This is what Jesus says about words. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. We sung this morning about Jesus coming back soon. There is a day of judgment. And we're all accountable for the things we say, Jesus says. Verse 37, for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. I want to encourage you today. There is, and I say it many times, there is a movement, of a grace movement that you can do whatever you like. You're saved and you can kind of live, you know, you've got the grace card, you can live how you like. But the truth is this, that the Bible also speaks about another word and that is holiness. The Bible calls us as Christians to be holy. That's not about trying to fulfill the law, but you see, when grace comes upon you, it gives you the license and desire to want to be holy, amen? You don't, you're not automatically forced to feel like that. But God requires holiness. And I guess today's message is really about the choice of seeking after holiness in the way we speak and use our mouths. Rather than the other opposite to, you know, to not being righteous and holy. To let sin come in, to use our mouths in that way. So I want to encourage you today that the tongue has a power to do two things. And we're going to look at each, I'm going to give three points, but the first thing is this. The tongue has the power to disable or direct. Okay? It has the power to disable or direct. The title of the message is this, the power of words. In James 3, verses 3 to 5, we read this. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. 
What you say with your mouth has the power to direct other people. Did you know that? You can change someone's direction in their life if you say the wrong thing. And some of us are not cautious in the way we speak because our, our, it's described here by James that our tongue has the power. that It's, it's like a small rudder. We kind of disregard it, but it actually has the power to turn a ship like a ship. It has the power to turn something in another direction. So what you treat as small has actually got power to change someone. But listen to me. It's not just about what you say. It's what people say to you. I want to encourage you this morning that actually some of you here today have been hurt by words that people have said to you. Or you may have said to them, but they've said things to you. And it's so hurt inside that it's changed the direction of your life. And now you find yourself in a completely different place because of words that have been spoken into your life. Words have the power to direct or disable you. Now, there's good direction, isn't there? You can speak good words to direct people. And let me tell you, when the fire of the Holy Spirit gets upon you, I believe that we should all be prophetic people. We should be speaking. What does prophecy mean? Prophecy uh, means to speak about the things of God, what he intends for us in in the future, to release those other people. And I'm a great believer in the prophetic, just speaking words of life over people. I think we all need to be prophetic. We need to be prophetic in our worship, in our prayer, in everything we say. So that when you come into church and you speak to someone over a coffee, you can be prophetic. You can be speaking words of life and hope, not death. And we can be directional in our words. But do you know what happens sometimes is this. We're so quick to release our words, we don't give time for the Holy Spirit to help us to use this. So when I'm speaking to people sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this, but you get so far into a conversation and you're just about to say something on the tip of your tongue, you think, I, 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 I shouldn't really say this. And then, you know, sometimes we just release things far too quick. But I want to encourage you, one of the things the Spirit of God will do if you let him, you, if we're slow and listen to God, we can wait to see what he will direct us in how we speak to others. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this, everyone should be quick, quick to listen but slow to speak and slow to become angry. We need to think before we speak. Just the other week, I don't know if anyone's found this, but it's, you'll, you'll, you'll like this when I tell you. But I was, I was at home and I received, I was texting someone and I, and I received uh, a message from someone. And uh, this message shouldn't have come through to me. It shouldn't have come through. Has, has anyone ever had when the phone rings and you pick it up and you know that the person doesn't know that they've called you? And what is it? The first thing you do, the first thing we all do is this. We start to listen because we think automatically they're going to say something about us. You do it. So you stay on the phone thinking, I know it. if I just hang on a little bit longer, I know they're going to say something about me. So you hang on there waiting, trying to listen to the call. Then you put the phone and you pick it back up. It's still there. But this person sent me a message and they were in conversation, but they sent something that they shouldn't have sent me. And I was looking thinking, you know, this is, they, they shouldn't have really sent this. Then all of a sudden the message vanished. Off my phone, I thought, you know, I thought iPhones were good, but this, this thing, it deleted itself. I didn't even touch it. I was just listening to, to this message and I was looking at it and it vanished. And then I, I did a little search on Google and realized that people now can retrieve what they've sent. 
Yeah. Look at you're all happy now. I told you you'd like that one. You brood of vipers. You know, you're all going to be on your phones later on thinking, how do I get this app on now so that I can stop people seeing what I've sent? The problem is I'd read it. Now, I don't know if that person knew that, but they sent it and then they retrieved it. And some of us in our lives, we're so used to technology. I mean, I've said this before. I used to work on design and designing things on screen. I'm so used to in my brain that when I make a mistake on something, the first thing that comes into my brain is control, alt, delete. It's automatic. That's on a Mac, by the way. Control, alt, delete. The three buttons I need to press to undo something. And I found myself sometimes doing practical things like doing a a drawing or something with my hand. I'm not using any computer. And the moment I make a mistake, I don't go for the rubber, the eraser. I go and say, in my mind, control, alt, delete. Because my brain is so fixed on the fact that I can undo something I've done. The truth is this. The words that release out of your mouth cannot be undone. They'd never, once they come out of your mouth, you see Isaiah 55, uh, 11, I believe it is. He says that even the, the, the Lord's words that have come from his mouth, they don't return void. It's because same principle for you made in his image that when words come out of your mouth, they don't return void. They do what they've gone out to do. And we cannot in our lives, it'd be great if we could have an app in our lives that we could retrieve some of the things we said about people. But we can't. And that's the reason why I want to encourage you that your words have the power, if you're not careful and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, that the source of your words are not the fire, that the fire of God and not the fire of hell, that they come out of you, that they're not going to do any damage or misdirect people in their lives. I also want to encourage you that in prophecy, if you're a prophet or if you prophesy in any way, It's the same principle. God has given you an ability to speak to other people, to reveal things about them, hidden truths. And you're using that gift. Be very careful. Because when you use that gift, you're speaking life directional words. I'm I'm very careful. You you can hear my teaching on prophetic. But sometimes I'm very careful to not do things that are going to affect people's direction. It gives them something that they can pray into. But it's not something that says, you've got to do this and this, you know, listen to me, I'm the prophet. Gives an option. Every prophecy should be tested. If, If someone, if you're a prophet and you release words over people, and you say things to people, and you can't accept if they're not going to receive them, then you've got a problem. If you think you're a prophet and you say, you've got to listen to this because this is the word of the Lord and they can't accept it. Listen, I believe that every prophecy I ever give or anything I ever said to anyone, if you want to reject it, then that's good. You do, do what you want with it. But I'll do what I feel I've got to do. But I think that your part of it is that you should receive, listen, test it, reject it if you need to. We're not always accurate. But the truth is this, that we've got to be very careful listening to the Holy Spirit. There's one other thing I want to say on this thing as well, but our words that we speak that are directional in our lives, that send our life on a course direction, sometimes in the wrong way, I want to talk to you just briefly about another thing that I I really felt the Spirit of God put this on me as I was preparing. And that is this, that some of us, we concentrate on the tongue and what the tongue says, but there's many of us have what I call silent words. We don't necessarily use our tongue, but we think them in our minds. And we think them about other people. They never get to the tongue. Actually, the truth is that your brain's already thought about it. Your tongue just didn't move in. You kept your mouth closed. 
But let me tell you, they can be damaging because you can start to think things about people. But also, you can speak words in your mind about yourself. And the enemy will be a great encourager of that. For you to start formulating sentences and words of criticism, negativity about yourself. And you're quite good at it, formulating sentences about yourself in your mind. And I want to encourage you today, I really believe the Lord wants you to see that it's not just your tongue, but there's people in here who've been criticizing and putting themselves down, and they're living a life of of putting uh, negativity on themselves, because they, they meditate on their words, and they say things about themselves. And I want to encourage you today that God doesn't want you to think like this. He doesn't want you to have them words about yourself, because he's got a better word over your life. Psalm 19 verse 14, David says this. May these words of my mouth, get this, and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, David says this. He says, may my words be pleasing, but also the meditation of my heart. In other words, he puts them both together. He says, the words I'm saying, may they be pleasing, but also the things that I'm thinking. The words I'm thinking, may they be pleasing to you. And I believe that some of us today, we've got to get these uh, words of negativity, of self-worth and the way we put ourselves down. I really believe that God is speaking to someone today who's been doing this and you meditate so much on negativity against yourself. And I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning and say, I've got a better word for you. And it's life. And it's good. My promises over your life. It's funny, when I, I put the kids to bed, and as they've got older, when I first started praying with Lewis, he used to pray, and he'd put his hands together, and he'd pray, and he'd speak out loud, he'd repeat what I said, and he'd pray with me. As they've got older, and they get a little bit, little bit more embarrassed about praying, now I'll go to them, I'll say, it's time for prayer now, and then I'll say, Let, you know, let's, let's pray this, or you say a prayer, and he, he, he doesn't say a word, and he sat there, and I'm like sat in the bedroom waiting for him to speak, I thought, well, I'll let the poor lad, you know, just have a think about what he's going to say. And he sat there thinking, and then nothing ever comes out. I'm saying, are are you going to do this? Are we praying? And then he always says this to me, and I says, I'm doing it in my head. And I'm like, well, it'd be nice if you shared it so we can, I can hear, I'd love to hear your prayer. He's like, no, I'm, I'm saying it in my head now. And I'm like, I'd love to hear the words. You see, the truth is, there is words we can say in our hearts. We can speak to ourselves in our minds. Don't be negative about these things. A few years ago, I worked in a, a company doing, they did engineering design. One of the things they had one day, I went to this event and they had this special cap that was called a think cap. And the, the engineers had designed this special cap that you could put onto your head. And uh, many of you know, if you've seen Stephen Hawkins, uh, when he's in his wheelchair, he will use for speaking, he will tap a little button to generate words onto a screen. But this particular thing could read the senses in your mind if things you looked at and formulate the words for you. It was amazing. I mean, they're still behind the scenes. I believe they're still working on some of this stuff. But I remember walking into this demonstration thing and you could sit and have a go with this thing and it kind of read your mind a little bit. The way that you were looking with it, it detected lots of things about the body. It was absolutely amazing. And I was thinking, I, I mean, who would want to go on the think cap? Anyone? Anyone? Any takers? I mean, I just, I just was so scared about what might come out, you know. 
You know, you, t- you, you look at Jerry McCall's lie, de- lie detector test. This thing was uh, way beyond that. Who would really this morning want a think cap to be put on and generate on this screen everything that you're thinking? The words that you're thinking. You know, we, we wouldn't have much of a church left, would we? It's true, even including me. I, would, I, I wouldn't want to put that cap on. And I want to ask you this morning, is there things that you know, well, I've got my tongue sorted out. I've not, I don't seem to say things to other people, they don't hear me. But actually, if you were to have a think cap put on right now, what would be revealed about what you say in your heart about yourself and others? The truth is this, that God wants to change that. He wants to give you the spirit of God. He wants to fill you with his spirit so that you begin to think good things about yourself, speaking good things over your own life. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a person thinketh in his heart, so is he. In the King James Version. Number two today, our words not only have the power to direct and disable, but they have the power to destroy or develop. Someone once quoted this, the tongue has no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart. The tongue has no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart. And I want to say to you this morning that some of us, we do speak words, we do release these words, and we've said some pretty damaging stuff. And people have said some pretty damaging stuff maybe to you in your life. And you know now, you can think in your minds now of things that people have said to you. Things that in, in a moment in time that, you, in fact, you've not even been able to let it go. It's right now, it still grips you that someone could go so low as to say these things. And I believe God wants to break you from that this morning. Our words have the power to destroy or develop people. You see, James says that it's set on fire by hell itself if we allow this to happen. Isn't that pretty scary that that can happen? That a spark, it says a small spark can trigger it. Back in 1986, I went, when I was younger, I went with my parents to south of France. We used to camp all the time. My dad always, we never flew, we drove everywhere. My dad used to never use the toll roads. He wanted to see the scenic routes, so it took us about five days to get to the south of France in the car. And we, we used to go down there. And I'll never forget, one day I was on the beach uh, in, in the south of France, and I spent a whole day on the beach. And at the end of the day, we saw smoke rising over the mountain behind us. And I said to dad, I was a young lad, I said, dad, I said, uh, what, what's going on here? And then the aeroplanes started to land on the sea. They were collecting water and, and flying over to put these, this fire out. But this fire was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we got into the car, we left to go from the beach, we went back to the, the campsite where we were staying. And as we drove down towards the road where the campsite was, the whole of the area was on fire, literally on fire. Around all the campsite, there was f- flames so high that the hills were on fire, all of the uh, forest was on fire. And I'll never forget us driving in. I was so scared. I mean, I, I think back to it as a young lad. And my dad, we, we had to be detoured off, sent into the hills. There was literally, we were driving past fire in the forest. It was crazy. And we went right high up into the, into the hills, uh, into a place, this village, where we could look down on all this fire. We, it was that bad that they wouldn't let us return to the fire, so we had to sleep in a school for the night. And I'll never forget the amount of emergency vehicles trying to put this fire out. All these people trying to put this blaze out, this huge forest fire. And afterwards, we found out, we drove to the campsite the next day. Thankfully, the fire had gone all around the campsite, and our campsite was not touched. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, the hills around it were black. 
But the day after, a few days after, we saw in the papers coming out that two children had been in the forest and with a match, had lit a match, and that whole area was burnt from a match. Now the thing is that everyone was running around. No one knew that that was the cause. No one knew that something so small could have caused such damage. But the truth is that your tongue, as little as it seems, can cause damage. And people sometimes disregard it. It can destroy or develop you. I want to encourage you today that some of us, we're worried when we hear about speaking in tongues. We, we've heard people speaking in tongues. You know, I remember coming in this church years ago with, with Emma. We walked in. I'd grown up in church. I'd seen people speaking in tongues. And we walked in this room, and I'll never forget. We, Emma said, you know, what is this? People were speaking in tongues, and it was just crazy. We'd, we'd not, I'd kind of seen it when I was younger, but Emma had kind of not seen that. And we just came in, and there was this sense of, what is this? And some of us sometimes, we're so scared of the Spirit of God and speaking in tongues. But I want to encourage you today that the Spirit of God wants to get older your tongue. He wants to get older your tongue so you start to speak in a heavenly language. You see, the Bible says that speaking in tongues will edify and build you up. If you hear people speaking in tongues, sometimes you think, well, well, that's not doing anything for me. You know, they look kind of holy. Have you ever had that? You see people, they're speaking in tongues, you're thinking, well, they look far holier than I do. How can they do that and I can't do it? You see, the truth is that while ever they're speaking in tongues, they're building themselves up. That's why it goes on to say in, in Corinthians that when we speak words of prophecy, intelligible words, Paul says this. He says, I'd rather speak intelligible words rather than speaking in tongues if I'm amongst unbelievers. In other words, because he knew that intelligible words had more power to help others and build others up. I believe the intelligible words he talks about there are prophecy, are going further, because he talks about it's better to prophesy than it is to speak in tongues. But I want to encourage you that you need to get, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not speaking in other tongues, don't be scared by it. Don't be scared by hearing this because God wants to get a hold of your tongue. He wants to get a hold of your tongue so that you begin to speak in a heavenly language. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 4, in verse, verse 18 to 19, Paul says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. It sounds like he spoke in tongues a lot. But verse 19, it says, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. But still, he's not saying that, he's, that the words that he speaks intelligibly are not from the Holy Spirit. I really believe that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that God got hold of his tongue. And some of us today, we're Christians, but we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not speaking in a heavenly tongue. I believe God needs to get hold of it. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, he says that it's to edify us Tongues edify us. I sometimes, I'm, I'm on, on my own on my bike or in my car. I sing and I speak in tongues all the time. I want to encourage you to do this. If you speak in tongues, build yourself up. Speak tongues. Sing in tongues. Do this in your own time because there's something happening when you do that. Some people don't hear me singing it because I'm building myself up. If I'm discouraged, I build myself up by singing in tongues. I think, well, I'm not going to just sing the latest worship CD and I'm not going to, you know, that's all fantastic. But sometimes the best worship you can have is just singing in tongues. I want to encourage you to do this. Some, some people, do you know, tongues is going out of fashion in some places. You know, it's, 
Uh, uh, Peter Cavanaugh used to say this. He'd say, you know, you need to- if you need tongues in your shoes, well, we need them as well. It's, not, it's something that comes with the shoes. You know, why is there a tongue in a shoe? Because you need it. And I want to encourage you today that tongues don't, don't disregard the gifts like this. They're not old-fashioned just because they were in the Bible all those years ago. They're there for a reason. And Paul says they build us up and edify us. And I want to encourage you, today God can fill you with his spirit and fill you with tongues. So you can speak in a heavenly language. Our words can build us up. They can strengthen us, but they can also destroy people. Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 29 to 30, says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now listen to this. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It's very interesting that Paul puts two things together there. What you say and grieving the Holy Spirit. The source of the fire of God that you need on your life for your tongue is the Holy Spirit. Not the fire of hell, as we read earlier, as James says. And to have that, if our words begin to flow in things that are negative and criticism and destroying to others, then the Holy Spirit is not going to hang around. He says we will grieve the Holy Spirit by our words, not just our actions. And I want to encourage you today to watch what you say because you could grieve the Holy Ghost. Holiness is required from us. Holiness is required from us in what we say, how we speak to people. And it's not just Christians. Some of us, we're so good on coming on Sunday. We've got our, you know, I, I, I go to some church and it feels like we have like this kind of dictionary for Christian talk on Sunday. How we speak on Sunday amongst other Christians. Then, you, you know, if you got there on Monday morning with most people when they're at work, when things are going wrong, that's when you'd really hear their, their, their language. You'd hear what they really say. But do you know what? We need to be the same as what we are in here on Sundays as what we are on work on Monday. You cannot be different. I've heard people say before, you know, he's, he's a great man of God, this, this evangelist. He's the same off stage as where he's on stage. I hope he is. We need to be the same and consistent in all areas of our life. Wherever we go, wherever you meet me, I need to be the same. Speaking the same. Not changing our vocabulary and I got another dictionary out for Monday morning. But we have the same vocabulary. If the Holy Spirit is helping you to speak, then it will be. But if you're trying to do it on your own, it will be hard. Paul associates this. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by letting unwholesome talk come from your mouths. In Luke 12, verse 12, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit would provide us the words on the spot. He says this, Jesus says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That's pretty, if you've ever looked at that, that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will will give you at the very time what you need to say. That means that if you listen, he will speak and then he'll help you to speak. And I believe some of us need to put the Holy Spirit, it's like, you know, have you ever seen these water filter systems that go on and they're fitted on a tap? We've, we've, I think we've got one on our coffee machine downstairs, that before the, the water gets through, it filters out the stuff. It filters out the bad stuff, gets all the, the bad stuff out, the lime scale, so that when you drink it, it's purer. And I believe some of us today need to fit on. The Holy Spirit needs to be applied in our lives, so it's a filtering system for what we speak out. So that the flow is of the Holy Spirit. 
Finally today, number three is that our words have the power to dilute or distinguish us. They have the power to dilute or distinguish us. What do I mean by that? The words that you use over your life or speak to yourself about have the power to define you. They define who you are. This, if you use words, some of us have got things that we put ourselves down with. I mean, we're so good at putting ourselves down. One of the things I always think is this, if we want to love others, we've got to start loving ourselves a little bit more. If you want to love other people, you've got to love yourself first. And there's nothing wrong with loving yourself, but some of us are so good at loving others, but we criticize ourselves. And we say things and we define who we are. But the the Bible says that we need to be salt and light. You see, I believe that the things that you say when you do go to work on Monday morning, they have the power to distinguish your faith. You see, people are looking at every single word that you say. When you go to work, they're listening. You're thinking they're not, but they're watching everything you're saying all the time. He's a Christian. Well, I'm going to listen to what he says. I don't know if you've ever had this, but you've said something wrong and it's crushing. Because you think all the years that I've spent investing into these people. I've tried to to be holy and now I've just gone and slipped up, messed up and said something about someone or done something, got involved in gossip or said something about someone that's hurt them and you think, I've just ruined years of work. And the enemy comes to condemn you saying, why bother? You can't, you know, you can't carry on doing this. You haven't got the strength. But the Spirit of God wants to tell you today that you have. But listen to me, what you say on Monday morning is the thing that will distinguish your faith. And some of us, we get our vocabularies out and we, we, we start to become so like people of the world that you would not tell anyone from a Christian. The way they speak, I mean, I've, I've heard recently some people, it's questionable what's even said on the pulpit in church, words that are used. Let alone out of the way of church. What words are used through Christians? You know, I'm not perfect, but I believe that we've got to watch this mouth. No one ever told me that I need to stop swearing. If you used to hear me, if anyone had any videos of me back in, uh, I don't know, 97 when I first came down here, my language, you would not believe it. I'd hate to watch videos back. I remember my boss in my old job, I, when I first started that, I, used to, I wasn't a Christian. And every time, he'd always, all the way through the 13 years I worked there, he'd tell people a story which was about me that had a, a point in where I said a word that was pr- a, a profane word, uh, what's the word, profane word. And he would remind and tell everyone this story. And I'm thinking, everyone's going to hear this thinking, that's me now, but it's before. And I wanted to tell them, why? you know, this is not me now. These words were damaging. But the Holy Spirit never told, uh, people never told me to stop swearing or to stop speaking bad words. But the Holy Spirit did. The Spirit of God is the thing that will tell you what to say. Tell you what's not good, what's holy. And I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you these things. Because otherwise we end up sounding like the world. See, we read this earlier in James 3 verse 9. It said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Many of you have done that this morning. We come and worship here. We sing praises to him. Boy, we can sing. We can sing the latest Hillsongs track. We can sing everything with, with great passion. But then it says, but we curse with human beings as well, who've been made in God's likeness. I want you to just grab this for a minute because 
Some of us just forget this, that every time you speak a word to anyone, you're talking to another human being that's been made in God's likeness. You're speaking to someone, whether they're saved or not, whatever religion they choose to be, they are God's people. Every person you ever meet, whether they believe the same thing as you do, whatever you say to them, God, they're God's children. They're just waiting to come back. And the thing is, we say so much nasty things sometimes to people. Be careful what you say. Out of the same mouth, verse 10, comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. These things can't work together. In Revelation, it talks about being lukewarm. You can't have hot and cold. And some of us, we're one thing one day and another thing the next. We've got to be the same and consistent every day in our lives. There's only the Holy Spirit can do that. You see, God is, when I talked about holiness earlier, God is wanting to discipline us in holiness. And some of us don't like the word discipline from God. I remember when I was young in church, I used to sit at the back with my best friend. He's now, uh, now an evangelist. We used to be one of the worst people in the church. We'd be sat at the back, pastor's kid, always the worst. Sat at the back of the room. And, and yeah, why are you laughing? You know it. And we'd sit at the back of the church and any time we'd do something wrong, if I ever saw my dad get up from the chair and he'd walk along the room and my friend Nathan would be saying, you're in for it, you're in for it. And we, you know, and my dad would come over and he'd take us and listen, my dad used to smack me when I was younger, he'd take me to the back, I'd come back out, my friend would be laughing. Because I've been smacked. He's saying, you know, you, it'll be me next time. And I used to sit there. And if Nathan ever got took out, my friend, I'd be waiting for the crack at the bottom of the stairs as he got smacked. Thinking, oh. And he'd come back. And the thing is, the truth is this, that even though I was smacked, I really believe, I thank, I thank my dad for disciplining me. I thank my dad for doing that. Because I've never looked at my dad and thought, you've hurt me or done this. I've looked at my dad and realized that all he wanted for me was to be righteous. He wanted me to get the good things in life, to understand that we've got to, and to get this stuff out. And I, personally, I felt like that. And I don't know how you feel about, you know, whatever you do with treating your children, smacking them. But true, for me, all I can say is for me through my life, I found that discipline is godly. And it's a, it's a principle of God. And holiness, what he does is this, he's disciplining us by his spirit. He's saying today, he's kind of saying, you know, you've got to do this because I'm doing it in my love for you. I'm doing it in my love because I want you to be more holy. You see, the Bible says this in Hebrews 12 verse 10, God disciplines us for our good. In order, listen to this, this is why he does it, in order that we may share in his holiness. Did you hear that? If you're saying, I can't be holy, I can't do this on my own. He says, I'm disciplining you, I'm showing you these things, I'm showing you you've got to watch yourself. Because I want you to share in my holiness that was paid for on the cross. It was paid for by Jesus for you. And he wants you to share in that holiness. In Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 15, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That doesn't go down very well in the kind of do whatever you like extreme grace church, does it? You know, you won't hear that sentence. You won't see that on anyone's fridge. 
It doesn't go down too well when it says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but it says that when the Spirit of God is the source, the fire in our lives, you will want to be pleasing to the Lord. That's what you want to do. All you want to do is please him. You want to be like him. You want to get rid of the stuff, the rubbish, the junk that's in your life. And some of us today, we can't get rid of this junk on our own. I really feel that the Lord wants to, maybe today, do a divine exchange with some people. He wants to get rid of the junk, some of the stuff in your life that you cannot get rid of. You cannot get rid of the stuff that's in your life and you feel in your heart like there is this, you think all this stuff that's in my life is a source of hell. Well it is. And God can break into your life by his spirit. Fill you with his spirit, give you a desire for good things. All you've got to do is open your heart to him this morning. The gift of grace, I believe, demands holiness. The gift of grace demands holiness. He's not saying, I'm looking for you to try and be fulfill the Ten Commandments before you can be a Christian. He says, I'll save you, wash you by my precious blood. But I'll fill you with my spirit and my grace, you'll see, will demand you to be holy like me. And he'll give you the strength to do that. Don't deceive yourselves into living a double life. James 1 verse 26 says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Their religion is worthless. In other words, he says this, those who are religious, who do the church thing and they don't listen to this type of message I'm speaking and they don't do this, their religion's worthless. Because really, their heart's not changed. They're trying to be just like the Pharisees were, trying to be something that they're not. God wants to do something in your heart, not just your mouth as well. We're called to keep that tight rein on our tongues. We're in control of it. The Spirit of God is not taking hold of your tongue and speaking for you. And I, I said this many times that when I used to be in my old job and I used to go in, sometimes I feel like speaking in tongues when I walked in on, on, on Monday morning and saying, I've had an amazing time in church and people will be looking at me. But the truth is that sometimes you've got to take, take a, a tight rein on your tongue, even with spiritual things as well. Watch what you're saying. Be considerate to others. People are looking at us all the time. See, there's a difference. You can either live this way, you can either use your tongue in this way, or you can treat it differently. But in Proverbs 10 verse 11, the message version I, I read describes the difference. It says, the mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. You see, I believe that the Holy Spirit is not just a fire to be the igniting you, but he is like water. He describes himself like rivers of living water flowing from within you. And what do we just read in the message? It says that it's a life-giving well or a dark cave of abuse. When in John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, he talks about him being the, the, the wells of life, springs of, of living water. And I want to encourage you, he's not just the fire of the source, but he can help you to flow. So that what you say and what comes out of your mouth is a life-giving words, living water. In John chapter 7 verse 38, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I want to encourage you today that God wants to fill you with his spirit. 
He wants to fill you with his spirit so that what flows from you is rivers of living water. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.